You're listening to a podcast from the Finnish Football Show. It's the Finnish Football Show. We're back again. I'm Mark Wiltshire, uh, joined today by Rich Nelson. Hey. And we also have a special guest today, Villa, who is a, a VPS Bowser fan. We've got him on to come and talk through their season so far. We've been digging up Vebsu for the last, well, couple of months, really, as they've gone on this uh, unbeaten run. So we've uh, we've got our man sort of in black and white stripes to come on and uh, and talk to us today. Um, we're also going to look back at the last couple of um, Nations League games for the, the Finland women's team, the Helmerit, um, a relatively straightforward 4-1 win at home to Slovakia, followed by something of an ordeal, really, over in Romania in, in heat, humidity, and basically played in a swamp from what i could what i could see heavy heavy old pitch over there but we'll we'll get into the the details there a little bit later um but i think what we should do rich um is wait for the referee's whistle and then crack on with the with the bakehouse liga and it seemed to work quite well last time um so i'll go through the the most recent scores and then rich you can talk us through the the two different tables and uh villa will bring you in after that if that's okay sounds good okay so in the mesterus saria there were again three more games it was honka nil vps vaza three fc inter nil cup scorpio one and asiko senioki two hoyiko helsinki three Hurts, hurts to say. What does that do to the league? That that top half of the league table, Rich. Um, well, since then as well, um, we've had tonight. Um, we've had Hoyko beat Honka three 0 So, um, so that game was brought forward for the Sauma Cup final. So, as we stand, Hoyko are seven points clear of Cups, who have three games left. So, uh, unfortunately, I think that means now that um, VPS are unable to win the championship after their run um but uh yeah so if cups um i think if they fail to win or no well if if they if they lose to asiko on sunday then hoyko win the title and, they, they, um, they won't be it won't be happening on sunday then probably not no <laughs> but uh yes cups are at home in that game as well so um but yeah so that's a, a seven point gap so realistically hoyko are likely to wrap that up in their um in their next fixture um, but then you've got um, Krups, yeah, um, seven points behind, forty-six points. They were very, very fortunate to be Inter on uh, on Saturday. They uh, Inter had Inter missed two penalties in the second half um, through Timo Stavitsky, and then Krups were awarded a very, very generous penalty in uh, I think it's the fourth or fifth minute of injury time. Uh, for a handball that was very clearly outside the box. We get on to in third place now, having been, and I'm sure Villa will talk, talk to us in more detail, but uh, from bottom 
in mid to late June and now in third place in the Vegas League after 12 consecutive wins is uh, VPS, who are on 42 points. Um, 13 wins, three draws and uh, eight defeats. So, yeah, they've really, really caught up. Um, I mean, yeah, so those those 12 games uh, and with a 3-0 win at Honker on Friday. And they were, I mean, they're just, whatever's going on there, we've had... Well, then they'll go in, but Peter Michael can't stop scoring. Uh, the goal that did the rounds of, was quite root oxy. <laughs> it was, um, I mean, what what what's gone on there has been absolutely spectacular. And um, again, breathing down the necks of you know what we saw in about a third of the way through the season when Asikor, Coops, Hoyikor were were very clear at the top. Asiolu threatened at one point to sort mm-hmm. of join that party. Uh, they're now in the bottom half of the table, and um, and VPS are very much in contention for a medal, possibly silver. Yeah, so, very possibly. Who saw that coming? Uh, in fourth place, we've got uh, Honka, who um, again, yeah, lost this evening uh, to Hoyko, but on the balance of things, I think over the over the season they've had, they can't argue too much having lost their their two best attacking players at the start of the season. Um, in Modesto and Sadiku, but they've they've done pretty well. I think um, they kept most of the rest of the team together. Some of the the new signings haven't done so bad. Roman Aramenko has been on and off. He's looked very good in some games and and very much a passenger in others. But um, Koski in the in the defence has been impressive. And um, yeah, they're going to Saturday's Salmon Cup final. Probably the favourites. I think against um, against Ilves, but uh, I think overall they they didn't start too well in the season. But I think they they've really picked up in that that middle section. So they'll they're fourth and I guess in contention on two fronts for European football next mm-hmm. season, which would be a nice little opportunity for them. Um, and in fifth place, Asiko. What's that? Seven defeats and eight now. Yes. Um, yes. I, well, maybe we'll talk about that. Another day. Well, we're coming to the end of the season. Let's let's focus on the positive from Vaza rather yes. than the negatives from here. Yes. Um, so yeah, so got uh, Asiko in fifth and Inter in sixth. Who were yeah were fairly unfortunate to lose at the weekend. But uh, again, their, their season has flickered at times. They, I think, with Yarko Wist coming in at the start of the season, everyone thought that might be kind of them getting back up to towards the the medal positions. But really, it's been Fairly average. I think they've had a couple of a couple of their good young players are coming through. Bismarck and Pofo has been really impressive in midfield. He was signed originally for their for their reserves and impressed so well that he uh, started in the first team and got himself a new contract out of it. He's probably been the bright spark for the season, to be honest for them. But um, but yeah, sixth place, um, and by virtue of that, they'll be at least in the Europa Conference League playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hasti Asaria. Um... The most recent results, FC Lati 2, AC Olu 1, Kotepe Neo Ilves 3, um, Mariaham 2, Haka 1, and another result tonight in there as well, Rich, which was Ilves 2, Mariaham 1. Yeah, it's um, Olu season's just gone terribly since... Uh... Since the summer, um, th- there's a number of reasons for it. And uh, with the coach, Ricardo Duarte, leaving his post about three weeks ago, 
uh, last week he went on the social media offensive basically saying it was all going really well and then they got rid of me and look how badly it's gone um mm-hmm. what he'd done at the club was really impressive um they'd had i think their best season ever under him uh, he developed a lot of players and things were going pretty well he then said he was leaving at the end of the season and lasted about two more weeks after that um the results have been poor the players who were scoring freely I think at one point they were the top scorers um they were looking really really impressive and then all of a sudden it just went off a cliff uh also Limata went to Portugal and there's I think there have been some changes at boardroom level as well not that should have a big impact but defensively they were always somewhat suspect um but yeah even now going into this part of the season you know and limping limping towards the end and we'll see what happens at the end of the year but uh you know, those 10 wins out of 24 games is looking less impressive by the by the time. But, uh, yeah, to lose to Lafty, God, <laughs> terrible. So, we got, then we got, we got Lafty on 28 points, um, yeah. followed by Hucker, 25. Il- oh, actually, no, followed by uh, yeah. Ilves on 27 after tonight's result. Yeah. Then Hucker on 25. Um, second from bottom in that playoff place is Cortepe on 20. And bottom Mariaham with eighteen, which even leaves those bottom two places quite up for grabs in the in the final few games. Uh, yeah, because Mariaham won um, recently and sort of narrowed that gap because the gap was five points from them mm. to Cortepe. Um, Cortepe's decision to sack uh, Lepalati, um, I mean, I guess it's one of those that it can go one way or the other. Really, it can go and you can get a bounce. Uh, they brought in Yuhamal and then, and nothing's happened. Um, which is a shame because they had a, a fairly good, by their standards, first half of the season or so, things were looking okay. Uh, Hacker had a good run of form. Ilves have come in at the right time and even Lafty started picking up wins. So it's difficult for them. Um, and I think, as you say, it's going to be between them and Mariham to decide the order of what happens, uh, who goes down automatically and who plays the playoff. But I guess Cordipe have still got that game in hand now. So they've got three games left. Yeah. Mariham have two. Um, but it's 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 a shame because Maraham have been obviously they were the champions in 2016, and um, you know been in the division for what, 15 or so years now I think. So you know whatever happens, they're going to be at least facing a relegation playoff. And um, yes, it's it's tough to see, but I think again, like you said, that this is the perils of this part of the campaign is that the bottom teams are going to start taking points off each other. Uh, and that gap gets a little bit bigger. So um, we'll see. I think after after the next round of games, we'll have a much better idea. But uh, yeah, and, and again, we're in the position that if the table stays as it is, uh, Olu or Lati, or Olu and Lati could be in the uh, the European playoffs, which is ridiculous. But it, it's it's ridiculous when you look at the teams and and how they've performed in the last half a season. But if you go went on the of the form of the last half a season, there's a there's a couple of teams in the top half that don't really deserve to be there on current form. So, um, well, even um, even VPS were in the final last year, weren't they? So yeah. um, they played they played Harker in the final, and they, they, they I mean, VPS had a fairly good season last year. Not nothing compared to this, but um, a bit of momentum. It's like the playoffs in England. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll talk in a bit more detail about these champion uh, these. Um, European playoffs in a in a couple of weeks' time when we're a bit closer there and we've got a bit more idea of what the what the teams might be and how that might 
how that might work out. Just a, a quick look at the top scorers. So uh, Radulovic at Hoyikor is now on, I think, 17 goals from 22 games. Um, Ashley Coffey at Olu, 12 from 22 Peter Goodley, you mentioned earlier, 12 in 23, but probably those 12 coming in the last eight games or so. Um, and then Jaime Moreno from Asico on 11. So I think I think it's about time that Radulovic was sold overseas and gave everyone else a chance of <laughs> being more competitive in the games. Um, anything else to say about the Vakos Liga at the moment, Rich, or should we bring Villa into the conversation and have a chat about VPS? I think VPS are the, the story of certainly the last couple of months. I think we should hear a little bit more about them. Yeah, that's true. So you've mentioned already. Uh, uh, Villa, hi. Welcome welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi. And uh, thanks for having me. Um, I I have, uh, you know, it, we've had to, I have had to, as an Ashley Core fan, give a lot of praise to VPS this year, which, you know, doesn't always come naturally to me. But, but it was me... I want this on the record. It was me that instigated finding someone to come on here because I think it's really important that we hear from Vaza about what's been what's been going on there. But and and Rich said twelve wins in a row, um, thirty six points from thirty six, and it's really been a, a season of two halves. Um, how as a VPS Vaza fan, how has that been for you? Take us back to the cold <laughs> days of April and how things yeah. looked then. Well, uh, certainly, certainly, uh, it's not something that happens every year. <laughs> like, uh, we mostly have have had like different, totally different kind of runs in in late decades or so. But uh, um, yeah, I think. Uh, Start of the season, VPS was uh, most people uh, were were guessing that VPS is going to be like close to bottom bottom of the league and close to relegation. I, I think VPS people had uh, we have good uh, last season as you as you mentioned and uh, mentioned and I think hopes were that we we can build on that and uh uh we were able to, to keep keep most of our uh players the most of our uh, important players except for the striker the, the main 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 target guy and uh so that that was the uh, position on on going to the league and uh the first uh half of of the regular season uh it went uh, i i wouldn't say it went uh, well <laughs> we were last so it went badly but <laughs> i i've seen worse 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 plays on on the on the uh, on the pitch we had some injuries and some really close close games and something well this is what 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 the manager says that nothing happened. We just like those uh, things that we we were uh, uh, losing from. Like we we just starting to play better and better and play play in the way we we were uh, 
we were thinking about playing. So I, I think really the main thing is that WebS has a good idea and, and um, really different idea of playing playing Vegas League of Football, and it seems to be working. And and other main thing is that uh, we have the right players for it, not the best players, but the right players, and also not not that many injuries on on the critical points what is this way of playing you say they've got their they've got their idea how they want to play and they've got the right players for it how how does that manifest itself in the way they play the game what what do they do <laughs> well uh to put it simply uh there are lots of tall and strong players on okay. the on the field <laughs> so but but that that is that is something that has been missing from Finnish football for for a quite time, for from in the like 80s and 90s and stuff like that. Finnish football was was considered to be like physical football, a physical league, and because um, like poor international uh, games. There maybe was um, this was thought to be like a bad thing, and now 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 maybe maybe it's come back to mm. to, to the fashion. Vepa uh, still are playing like modern football and good football, but still to have lots of big players on the pitch. That's that is a like simple and effective way way of playing. Especially in Vegas League, where that is not mostly the question in in the most teams. So is it passing football, but with with speed and physical physical power? Uh, I think it's maybe that idea is that we we have like two gears. We have we can play uh, fast and direct football. But but we can also play play like uh, slow slow attacks and and crosses crosses from from corners and and, and it's hard to play against VPS. It's hard to if you press high. There's also always always the chance of the long balls towards the big big guys in the front, and if you just pull back, you there's a risk of of uh, set pieces and corners and, and and just just like regular crosses i'm looking at the looking at the sort of uh, some of the statistics and it, it really is a kind of half and half the season the first 12 games you won one drew three lost eight scored six conceded 18 um like you know averaging one and a half goals a game uh, against the <coughs> excuse me but if you look at the actual scores apart from a big defeat away to Hoyiko okay everyone can do that there were lots of one nils nil nils two ones like there were no really heavy defeats but there were just a lot of games i remember us talking about it rich that they just weren't sc- really scoring goals and and then at at the beginning of June and I, I I noticed this because at the beginning of June was when Asikor started to go in the opposite direction. 
And we, you know, we lost the goalkeeper, Edgieri, back to Arsenal and things started to go wrong. Um, but for Vaza, with a with a 3-0 win at home to Inter, things have gone very right. Did anything change around that time with the with the players or or you know anything else around the team? Uh, well, the manager, as I said, he he has said constantly that nothing changed. We just believed in ourselves, but but there were few changes. Uh, there were some injuries in, in the first half of the season concentrated on on the wing backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we basically lost all, all our wing backs and had to play the midfielders and the wing backs, which uh, messed up the midfield play. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, uh, also, we find, found the opening eleven, the just small changes of the of the of the uh, who plays in what position. Mainly uh, the. Russian midfielder, midfielder Yevgeny Baskirov, he was uh, he started uh, as as a number six, and now he has played number ten position. So he he moved higher on the pitch, and also uh, this I can give you a little scoop or a, or a rumor. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, we like scoops I, and I rumors. Heard, <laughs> I heard that uh, there's a there has been talk that Pepe's trained in the in the early season like really really vigorously really brutal uh, training training and and before even before matches in, in, even before games and Pepe's seemed to be like uh, running out of steam in the middle in the the late part of the games mm-hmm. i don't know if that's that's true, or if, if if that affected it, or did it affect that? Now Vepas is in really good shape, and they really know what they are doing. Yeah, now that's a, that's that's an interesting point as well, because the training of the team is something that's been suggested for the being the problem in Sanio. Mm. Like, have they yeah, been yeah. overtrained, and are they now in the second half of the season just running on empty? So. It would be interesting if two teams had done similar thing and had completely opposite results. It shows that yeah, yeah, it shows that no one knows anything about football, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> um, so we're coming now, as Rich said, towards the end of the season. It's possible, still, still a bit of a stretch to to finish second, but I think you're probably safely in third place and and looking forward to next season, um, which potentially has European football. What about the players that have really performed well for you this year? Do you worry about keeping those players next year or do you think that, that the the European football will be the next step that they want to take with VPS? Vepas uh, has. Uh, we we have got quite good good uh, situation contract wise. Most of the of the important players have have contracts next next season. Only only uh, uh, the leader leader 
leading central, central defender Pikkarainen and uh, wingback Tyler Reed. Those are only only ones on the from the starting eleven that don't have contract for the next season, and I I think they have played spectacular season, and I think they were they are going to move on to a bigger bigger club. Uh, but I I think the the team is team is going to be pretty much the same, and it, it can be even improved next mm-hmm. season. So. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping for a medal. I'm hoping for a uh, European uh, place in the European qualifiers next season, and it would be uh, nice to see that that in Vasa again. But this season, it's it's uh, really been a success uh, mm. even even now, and uh, and uh, just like. The, the aim was just to avoid relegation and go as high as we can. And now, like the historic, uh, historic uh, run of straight victories, and 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 maybe even getting a medal and Europe place. This is from this. It's it's something that we have. Uh, every football supporters hopes hopes for this. Yeah, as absolutely right, and I think. You've equaled the record for consecutive wins. So the next, the next game. Who is your next uh, fixture against? It's Inter. Okay, so that could be the the record breaking thirteenth win in a run. Um, they're they're the bottom team of that Mister Rosaria. So you have to be going into that game with a lot of confidence and and confident. Also, I guess that your top scorer Peter Michael will still be there next year to to lead the the team into Europe. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a good good position to be in a, it's like a, it's a, it's a dream, but still uh, as we were talking earlier, the, the team the best team it consists of the right players at the mm-hmm. right pl- places. So so even even uh Peter Godley Michael is is like on fire at the moment. Uh I'm not sure if uh, uh, he has strengths and weaknesses as mm. as most of VFS players. So so it's it's not just a matter of like bigger club buying him and putting him on the field. He has to be the right uh, be in the right kind of play in the right right, right kind of position. Uh, just like look at Tete Yeng in Cups at the moment. They and Jake Jervis, but they can't get anything out out of those those players. Yeah, you make it you make it sound so simple. Just pick players that that, that play in the right position on the team, uh, and they'll be able to play good football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's simple. there's like million ways how this can be this can go wrong. But still, I I think that the main issue is that. The way the VPS way of playing is is a, is different from all the other basically all the others other other teams on Vegas Liga, and that's that's why uh, it's hard to play against VPS. And this this has been a, a like a strategic strategic uh, choice from the lead, leader leadership of the club. Uh, and the director of football, and it's been a risk 
this, uh, most of teams have some kind of lines that they follow and there was a chance that this line wouldn't work but mm. it's it's now clear that it's working really good at the moment and i'm interested to see to see that do other teams in Vegas Liga try to play this way in, in future seasons that is something that we will look forward to see next year i think rich has got a, a question or a comment um yeah just a couple of things obviously um Seba Strandval has been like a, a hero, a legend of the club. Um, he, he seems to be quite content in his role of coming on the pitch for the last sort of few minutes of each game. Now, is that um, obviously I've seen some of the games, but just something like that, having him involved and his experience, is that purely to sort of close out the games and have that sort of old wise head? And obviously, he's not deadly from a set piece as well in his time. So, um, is that something that? has been noted that you know, having he's moved into that phase of his career now as well, that he can just come on for the last sort of seven or eight minutes of a game and just sort of keep everyone steady and keep their hand on the wheel. Uh, well, I think he's a, he's like a great captain and he obviously knows his place in the team at the moment. Uh, I suspect that he's not, entirely happy about his minutes at the moment but um, he, he had a very bad knee injury last season and he he just uh, he, he wasn't at at the best physical form at the, uh, in the start of the season and now that that we have this opening 11 and it's hard to hard to break through into that the team is very working so so well. I think Seba would have played more if we have been losing games more. But now 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 he 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 must see that his his position is the leader of the team in in the in the bench mostly, but also also like bringing the experience in the late minutes. Of the games, and also uh, the, you you have seen that uh, in, in games that Vepas has uh, obviously a good uh, spirit in the team at, at the moment. So it seems like all the reserve players and and and, and the bench are are working together and uh, being really happy about the, uh, the run of victories at the moment and not not that much worrying about their own own minutes. Yeah, because um, one, one of the other things that was mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago was with the fact that half the clubs in Baycast Liga have changed their coach this year. Um, and I think a lot of credit's being given to, to VPS for sticking with Nurula for... You know, being bottom after 12 games, a lot of clubs have made a decision earlier and later to change a manager. Obviously, in Cups's case, it was three games. In, in some of the others, they've waited until September. But um, I think it, it's a credit that they have stuck with him. They obviously saw, and as you said, they looked like there was something brewing, whether it was just making sure that everyone got comfortable or, or whatever it was. But um, I, I think this is very much a case study now for 
saying you don't have to sack the manager. There's obviously things going on at clubs we don't know about, but to sit there and see, okay, well, you know, not every manager is going to turn around and give you 12 wins on the spin. But um, I think having seen, you know, VPS did pretty well last year on their first year back in the te- back in Bakehouse Liga. So it's, it's nice to see that little bit of stability because it just takes one change or, or a couple of injuries for that to happen. Um, and one other player I wouldn't mind shouting out because whenever I see him play, he seems to do well, is, is Ronnie Hudd. Um, I know that he was, I'm not sure if this was a, an actual thing, but like the, the internet in the spring kind of went a bit crazy that I think he was on transfer mark as one of the sort of hottest young players in the world to watch. And uh, I remember his sort of breaking through last year. He's got a great goal against Hoyevko. But, um, I mean, is he a player that you think might be looking at being picked up by a foreign club in the next sort of winter or two? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely the the the, the thing in the air at the moment. So he he is the like a young star of the state of the team. We shall see how 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 far it goes. But if it's definitely his, it was even talked that some talk that he will. Uh, be bought somewhere uh, during the last winter or uh, or or in the summer so we shall see but he he surely he he's a great talented young player and uh, uh, i suspect that uh, we won't be seeing him in in Vepso and uh, and uh, Vekas Liga for for much longer great stuff Villa, thanks for joining us. We, like you, are intrigued to see quite how far VPS can go at the end of this season and then if that takes you into Europe next year, which looks almost inevitable now, then exactly how how those European teams handle this this style of football. But uh, thanks very much for joining us and uh, we hope you continue following the Finnish football show and... uh, that will mean that we have to make sure we're nice about you in future as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Cheers, thanks, Luke. Pleasure. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, Rich, can you throw forward to the Swarman Cup? There's a couple of games coming up. Yeah, so um, we've got the men's Swarman Cup final on uh, Saturday. It's uh, Honka against Ilves. Now, um, both teams are, well, I say recent winners, relatively recent winners of the competition. Um, and it's an interesting one because I think, you know, Coops has won the last two editions. And I think we're at a point where, and again, I won't bore people too much with the whole coefficient nonsense, but there is a point where the winners get the best European place um, in the Conference League. I'm not sure if it will happen for for next year's edition that um, the winner of this might go into the second qualifying round or into the... Sorry, they already do go into second qualifying. They might go into the Europa League. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Which would be... Yeah. So, Based um, on coefficient? Yeah. So if okay. I think if Hoiko do well in the Conference League this year, then that might get an extra place um, in the Europa League for the cup winners rather than um, the Conference League. So we actually so, uh, have to cheer on Hoyiko in Europe. It's for the good well, of everybody. 
Well, yeah, but it's also because of their bank balance, isn't it? But um, <laughs> it's, it's yes. yin and yang, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and um, listen, it's not. It's, I don't think the coefficient thing is boring. I just think it's really confusing. So when, when yeah. if you can crystallize it for us, if you can absorb all that data and then crystallize it into whoever wins this goes into this, then that's yeah. that's how coefficients work. Yeah, we're we're we we're on the cusp of that. I think it's yeah. uh you know, all the, all those things going on in the UEFA bods heads, but, um, but yeah, you've got, um, as I said, uh, Ilves won the competition in 2019. Um, Marham in the final and Honka, I did say it was recent. They beat, it was 2012, the last time they won it. Um, so recent our was, age, Rich, 2012 yeah. isn't that long ago. I remember watching it. Uh, that's how it was relatively recent because I watched it, but, um, they beat Cups, unfortunately, but, um, it's um it should be an interesting game. I think um Ilves had a really bad run of form and we've talked about that on previous episodes, and they picked up a bit uh coming into this uh, round of fixtures um and coming into the this second phase of the season. And you've got the um where they changed the manager after sacking uh, Tony Koskala and they started, I think was it six games or seven games? I think they even failed to score. In so they've now started to get some goals in the team. They've now started to get wins, and I think coming into a cup final for them, uh, it's it's a nice little sort of reminder because they're going to the new stadium. I think that's during next year. I'm not sure at what point that handover happens, but um, yeah, they're they're finally getting around to to playing in the new ground. So you said that um, they're they're getting some goals in a bit of form. The last three games, two two away to Hucker, three nil win away to Cortepe, and a two one home win against Maryham. So they're they're in a bit of form just at the right time if mm. if a cup win is uh, on the cards. Yeah, it's like people are playing for their places, aren't they? But um, well, yeah. yeah, let them do it. But I, I think it's it's been. Nice to see because um you know the 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 biggest club in Tampa and and I think after a few years when they, there were no club from Tampa in the top division, uh, the new stadium will be ready soon because I think it's been difficult for them as well playing at the at the Ratna mm. Stadium rather than at Tamala. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be it'd be nice for them. Uh, obviously the the finals in the, the Olympia Stadium in Helsinki. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, Honka had a pretty tricky start to the season they lost um Agon Sadiku and Rui Modesto and trying to sort of replace them is it, it was difficult for them and I think they have struggled um they still have most of the team that pushed last year and came third um Eremenko's done okay on and off um uh some of the players have, have come in haven't been that great to be honest, but I think they, they've managed to get a little bit of rhythm um, going into this. And I think, again, from where they were a couple of years ago and to where they are now, it's it's a massive improvement. They are still kind of, there is still that element of signing foreign players and hoping that they might go on to better things. Obviously, they had um, Alfredo Morelos before he went to Hoiko, um, they had Juan Allegria, who also went to Rangers and didn't play. So okay, it's clearly a strategy that they're, they're making. But um, I think either way, it'd be nice to have two teams that aren't you know, the, the big, big clubs mm. in the final. Um, it would have been nice if Cups could have gone for a hat-trick, but that's a different <laughs> matter. 
Um, I, I would just say one thing: the rhythm that Honker in going into this game is on the back of two three-nil defeats. So um, before that, they had picked up quite a bit for them, but the last couple of games uh, has, has not gone the way they might have hoped. So it might suggest there's a chance for Ilves. If I was a gambling man, and I'm not, then a pound on Ilves. I think uh, not even each way, but a pound on Ilves would be worth a go. Would be worth a go. Absolutely, and I think you know we like the old cliches. It's you know every game's a cup final. You never know ninety minutes and all that. So mm. um, I think again, the two teams, despite being in the, the separate halves of the table, um, they are they are that far apart. I think um, it just takes one of them to have a, a good day or an off day. Mm. I think um, going into it, it's just nice to have two clubs that are a little bit different and. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. And then on you said, some... you, you said that, that it's nice not to have the two big, the two biggest clubs mm. or the two top clubs in the final. And then we come to the women's game. We do. We, <laughs> we have um, Coops playing Hoyuko on the, on Sunday, also at the Olympia Stadium. Um, Coops, um, I'm going to have to double check. I think they have they secured the title already. Um, Certainly very close in the uh Kanselin and Liga. Um again, uh yes, Coops I think need a draw from their last game to um the last two games to win the title there. So uh, but they're the top two right okay. in that division. So so again, yes, we've got that. Um obviously so the, the are not plucky underdogs in this fixture. Absolutely not, no. Yeah, um I mean Coops over the last uh, three or four years have been the, the bigger the most successful club in in the women's game as well, but Hoyko aren't far behind. Um, and it's something we can talk about maybe during the close season or before next year, where Hoyko's women's club have, in many ways, separated or, or been run as a separate entity from the men's club. So still under the same Hoyko umbrella, mm. um, but they're being run as a almost as much as they can as a, as a separate beast. Um, but then, you know, the, the women's game is different. You've got Ireland United, a third as well, Honk, yeah. Honka doing well there. So um, it'll be good to see. I think Coops, you know, go for a double. Um, be nice. But uh, they got knocked out of the Women's Champions League, so um, they'll be a little bit smarting. So I think it'll be nice for them if uh, if they can pick up and have a pot. But I think what we'll try and do is come back maybe on maybe on Sunday, just a very quick update from those two games we'll try and find enough Finnish football show hosts that have seen some of these games to uh, to bring you some opinions there but at least a quick a quick update on what happens there and uh, hopefully enough content to keep our Coops fan uh, listener <laughs> happy who who wanted us to make sure we're mentioning oh was it Honker fan sorry it's Honker, Honker fan. Yeah. yeah Honker fan that wanted to uh us to make sure we're covering Honker, so we'll uh, we, we we took we took notice of what was being said. Okay, Rich, let's move on. Finland's Women's Nations League campaign 2024. We previewed it the other week uh, by explaining that this is the inaugural Women's Nations League. Finland are in Group B two, so it's League. League B Group Two. I got myself in a right pickle last week trying to remember how that how that all works. And two games. Uh, Friday um, game was at, at home to Slovakia, which saw Finland pick up a four nil 
win, uh, a pretty comfortable win. And um, I think the starting the starting lineup uh, was was all fairly familiar. The sort of Keke had spoken last week. We had Korpila in goal, Koivisto, Wika, Nustrum, and Pikkujamsa uh, across the back. Um, Artinen, Summanen, and Kosola in the in the midfield, nominally, with uh, Erling just behind the the front two of Rantela and Selstrom. And I had a lesson in pronunciation during this game, Rich, because <laughs> I was told that the A with two dots over the top, which you would normally pronounce ah in Finnish, but because Linda Selstrom Selstrom has a Swedish name, then that letter is pronounced with as an E. So it's mm. Selstrom. There you go, listener. That's a free, a free pronunciation guide for you. Um did you manage to watch this game, Rich? Um, I, I saw the goals. Yes. Um, okay. And I, I kind of followed it roughly as it was going on. It was not really great kickoff time for, for those of us in the UK. But um, No, we did yeah, have some great yeah. kickoff times for those of us in Finland this, this time around. That was quite <laughs> convenient. Makes a nice change, doesn't it? Yeah. But, um, but again, um, as the preview stated, um, it was a very strong, strong Finland team that got put out. And I think, um, you know, they were strong and 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 I think as as we mentioned before that the three teams that Finland are playing in this group they've beaten this calendar year already um and sort of linking to another podcast I listened to this morning the sound of football where they talked about the nations the women's nations league in general and how maybe the gap between the top teams and the other lower ranked teams is starting to widen Mm. I think because and they took England as a case in point that England had won qualifiers in the last World Cup qualifying campaign by 10-0, 10-0, 20-0, things like that. And I think that they mentioned, Terry and Graham talked about how the top 16 or so teams are pulling away. And I think Finland are probably on the cusp of the very much on the coattails of that group. Um, I mean, Finland qualified for the last Euros. They were fairly close to the last World Cup and should be confident in making the next Euros as well. Um you know, this is a strong group of players playing abroad at high levels. And I think even those playing domestically still get included as well. It was, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that Linda Selstrom is still going. I think that was a 56th goal off the top of my head for Finland. So she's a record, Finland's record goal scorer of, of either gender. And again, I think just the statistics kind of speak for themselves when you look at the 90 minutes. Um you know, three nil up at half time, um, and I think when you look at it as a whole, you know, while Slovakia did have chances, from what I saw, um, Finland looked relatively comfortable. No, I think it was. I think it was comfortable, and it also it also helped that in the the first goal came in five minutes, yeah. and Selstrom was. On the goal line, in front of the goalkeeper, not not really impeding her, and the, and the a, a corner came in, and she just headed it in from yeah. on the on the line, and it was it was poor defending, but it was also good positioning, um, but it also made me notice, and I I checked it out <laughs> um, that the Slovakia goalkeeper was only one meter sixty three tall, which is five foot four, so for the rest of the game, I was just thinking like. Just shoot! It was. It's like when whenever you see a small keeper, 
whether it's in professional football. You don't tend to see so many small keepers in men's football nowadays. You think back to the days of Hans Sagers playing for Wimbledon and Forest. You know, he was fairly, fairly short, but... Um, I think George Campos was about five six, wasn't right, he? Right. Okay. Yeah, that was quite yeah. a long time ago, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So I was just thinking, shoot, just shoot from wherever wherever you can, and uh, it that was that. The first goal was in the fifth fifth minute, and then uh, two nil in the twenty third minute. Uh, Ria Erling shot from distance, a low shot. It hit the post and kind of bounced out into the into the penalty box and. Uh, Jutta Rantala followed up, just stroked it, stroked it home, un, unchallenged for a nice 2 0. Um, 45 plus one minutes just before half time. Some lovely, expansive attacking teamwork. The Finland players pushing forward, left, right, and, and center. And the ball was played over the top out to the left to uh, Katarina Kosola. And she she sort of came in towards the goal from the left-hand side. And just as she shot, she shot fairly straight. And the goalkeeper sort of moved a little bit out of the way and was all out of position and and sort of, I don't want to say dived out of the way, but certainly could have been more in the way of the shot <laughs> when it finally came in. But it was, it was a well-deserved... Um, Goal and and again um, the the four nil again was Kosola. A ball played played over the top for her and uh, she ran through on her own and and slipped it under the goalkeeper for that for that four nil win. And I think you're right, Rich. It seemed fairly fairly comfortable. Yeah, um, and I think this is the position where Finland are for now, um, and we'll see going into future editions of that. Finland are very much that kind of top of that sort of pot of teams. They were the top seeds. And I think, um, and as we've talked about from the Romania game, which I saw the highlights of, you know, that was, and the stats, that was an incredibly one-sided game um, in terms of shots on goal. And, and albeit the, the, only, the winning goal came from a penalty. Um, you think if Finland go on to win this group um, and get promoted into the next division the next time round that's when you know things will really be a lot tougher and you'll see then you know because it's good for Finland to get these competitive games and and again you know Finland have played these teams already and Finland play a lot of these three and four team tournaments throughout the year and um and when we've got the the qualifiers the next round of Euros coming too so um I, I think most of these players, there are some approaching that kind of age where you think, you know, um, looking ahead um, and what's coming through behind yeah, them. But yeah. then, um, as you know, KK alluded to on the last episode, you know, Marcus Alaranta, the coach, he's been um, involved in the women's game. He was the under-17s coach um, before he took the main job uh, last year. Uh, sorry, this year. And, and I think that continuity is vital because you're not having an external person coming in and picking just who's playing. He's looking mm, at mm. Um, players who've played well in, in the uh, younger age groups. Um, and I think that's going to be vital as we go into the next two to three year period, certainly heading into the next World Cup. But uh, I think that the future's bright. Um, and as, as we mentioned for the Romania game, you know, not, not many changes, that same, the same core of the team put out and I think um, look really impressive again. 
Yeah, I think we, we mentioned the other day about the the um, FIFA rankings for the European teams and Finland the 28th, uh, Slovakia were 48th. Um, and then coming into the game against Romania, who were thir- uh, 39th in the rankings. So in theory, this was going to be Finland's toughest game. But they also beat Romania 4-0 earlier in the year. So where exactly? At the start of the game, I said, oh, my prediction was 2-0. Why was I so sort of pessimistic? And then the game finished 1-0. It was like, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't so <laughs> so far off. Um, it was... So let's let's start. Romania against Finland was last night on Tuesday 26th. And the the starting lineup was... Well, there was a change in goal. So Anna Tamminen coming in for Tini Korpela. And I wonder if that's one of those those sort of generational changes that might be about to to start to happen. I think Tinney is thirty seven now. She's still playing at a very high level with Roma now, having moved from Spurs. Um, but Anna Tamminen is is doing the business in in Sweden for Hammerby as well. Um, the defence was the same: Koivisto, Kuika, Nuström, and Pikkujamsa. Um, the Midfield, there was one change, so it was Kosola, Summanen, and Pelkurinen uh, coming in on the right-hand side, and then Erling behind Rantala and Selström again. So, like you say, much a couple of changes, but much the same starting team. And it was hot over there. It was between 26 and 29 degrees. Um, it was humid, and the pitch was atrocious uh they they said beforehand that finland hadn't been able to train on the pitch the night before they'd had to train on astro astro pitch you know artificial pitch next door and at at the first kickoff at the start of the game it already looked like a plowed field so that didn't that didn't help the game and apparently it was very soft underfoot as well um and I think it, I think all of those things really affected the game. It was quite a tough watch. Um, you said it was one-sided, and it, it's difficult. You don't. I haven't been able to find anyway possession stats for these for these games. There's a lot of other stats on the UEFA website about shots and and things like that, which tells part of the story. Um, but it did feel like Finland uh, controlled this game to a point. Uh, without really ever completely putting it to bed. And as the game wore on, Romania became more and more physical. Although that said, they they, they um there were quite a lot of coming togethers of players and and both of the players going down. One one of their their uh, attacking midfield players seemed to be get clattered every five minutes or so. She was uh, she was really in the wars. Um but the game was I mean Finland had a had a chance in the first minute. A break down the the left, um, across along the floor, right across the face of the goal, and just as uh, I think it was, Selstrom was coming in at the back post. It was cleared by the defender, and I thought, okay, this is this is a positive start. Let's let's keep this going. Um, but then it was the and the, and there were a few sort of attacking moves and and possibilities for Finland, but it was in the the fifteenth minute that a, a penalty was uh, awarded as a, a cross came into the box from the left, there was a uh, some shirt pulling going on, which uh, which gave the opportunity for 
Sunmanen to stroke home the penalty into the bottom left-hand corner, and it felt like, okay, let's let's build on this, and that's how the that's how the final re- result changed. And I I have to confess that partway through the first half, it got a little bit dark in my lounge, and I'd had a glass of beer. And I might have nodded off and missed something. And then I looked at the stats and it suggested that I hadn't missed that much, really. Yeah. And um, I think as we sort of come out of that, you know, thinking where Finland have maximum points from two games, uh, two clean sheets, and really going into the next round, uh, then it's a double header against Croatia. Yeah. Uh, uh, home and a then away, I think it is. Um, so you think if, if they come through that with four or even six points, it's all wrapped up. Um, you know, we've talked about um, before the the momentum that the men's team picked up, uh, and this, I mean, this the, this women's team is in a very different phase of their their journey than the men's team were. But uh, you know, again, after the Euros, when they lost all three games, and and I think it was a bit of a schooling and, and going back to this and getting semi-competitive games back under their belt with, with a goal to the, the next round of Euros. Um, you know, it's, it's great for the confidence. It's great to blood in those, those younger players on, on the verge of getting some minutes. And especially as, you know, players like Tinny and, and, and Linda is, of a, sorry, she's 100, I've lost track of how many caps she's got now. She's got about 140, 140 caps as well. So, yeah. you know, these are players that will need replacing at some point. Um, and I guess, you know, that getting that momentum and getting those fans back into the stadium, because I think all three games of the Nations League are in Torquil. So it's good for the fans to get, you know, back on winning ways and, and in front of that stadium because that's what helped the men's team when, albeit it wasn't in Helsinki at the time, but most of the games were in Tampere, but in front of mostly full stadiums, winning games, cheering the team on. Um, I think we've seen for the men's, you know, the Nations League is generally a very good thing, generally. Um, what happens next? They go up to League A? Who knows? You know, they, they will get at least a couple of the big clubs, uh, the big teams in there. Um, but I think, you know, as a start, they're going to turn around and, you know, just look at the scoreboard. Two games, two wins, five goals, none conceded. Yeah, I Can't think that's... No, I think that's exactly right. And also, um, I, I had this thought that, that you raised already about if they go up, how how will they find it? You know, there's 16 stronger teams in that, in that league uh, A. Um, then there's uh, 16 teams in this league B which Finland is in if Finland is ranked 28th in the world then some of these other groups must it, it, or, or, or 28th in Europe then am I confusing myself are they world rankings and I'm and I'm looking so, at Europe so, so they're 28th in the FIFA rankings which right. is world rankings but that's obviously they're, they're, I don't know off the top of my head but you think there are other nations in there that are non-Europe will be so, above them as well. So, yeah, okay. No, that's that makes that makes sense. So anyway, I, I, I look and I look at the other group B one, uh, the other group B groups, oh, league B groups, and I don't know these teams well enough to say if any of these other groups look particularly stronger. 
but if if Finland go through this up into the up into the top leagues, then there are some there are some big countries there, and it starts to look a bit. It, it, it looks exciting and intimidating in equal measure, I suppose. So um, let's do the job. Let's deal with the job in hand first. Mm. Let's get this. Let's get this. Games against Croatia, who are rate, ranked about sixty in the world. Mm. Um, so you know, they beat Romania as well. So they yeah. they did. Yeah, they did. But they also um, lost four 0 to Slovakia, who we just beat four 0 yeah. So yeah. who knows? So that means that Finland should win sixteen nil. I think is that how it works? Or eight nil. Something, know. something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's let's wait and see. But it's ex- exciting stuff, and and we're going to do this kind of um, re- preview and report shows ahead of those. It does mean that every two weeks there are Hukiad games, and every two weeks there are Helmerit games, and by the middle of December we're just about ready for a nervous breakdown. <laughs> hopefully with some uh, points on the board as well at least we'll know by December we'll know how Finland's uh, Euro group went and how men's team and yeah. we'll know how the Nations League finished yeah and also as we talked about last time the the, the final positions once this um, Nations League has been played and the teams are reassigned promoted relegated or whatever that will then form the groups for the next uh, Euro qualifiers which takes place next year. So, but I reckon, Rich, that we're just about done. We've done, we've done, covered a lot of stuff there. And it was great to have Villa join us and talk about their players. It's given me a few things to look out for. And they come to Sainioki on the last game of the season. So, oh, it is the last game, isn't it? It is the last game, which could have been big, but I got a feeling by the time we get there, it it won't really have quite the pizzazz that it, it might have done. Um, yeah. Well, uh, as you mentioned, yeah, that that last game, that game at the weekend against uh, Inter, that'll be potentially win thirteen where the run started. So um, yeah, that'll be the certainly the. I think that's the rec- the record anyway for one calendar year. I think the the, the record of any finished top flight was fifteen across two seasons. So uh, oh, geez, they've got enough games yeah. to do that in one season. Well, if they win, if they win their final three games, then uh, yeah. But they've got Hoyuko next after that. So wow, we'll you know Hoyuko might have it all sewn up by then. Well, that would be the game they clinch it, maybe. Yeah. yeah. All right, uh, listener, I've I've put links and um, pictures and everything to sort of go along with everything we've been talking about in the. Uh, blog post so if you look in the description wherever you're watching or listening to this then you'll find all of that um, info there and maybe gives you something to look at while you're listening or um, or check up on if we know what we're talking about but mostly mostly we do Um, we will come back um, with a little bit of a Swordman Cup follow-up and then maybe in a couple of weeks time uh, there will have been a couple of rounds of Bakehouse League of Games and we'll we'll come back then and also look forward to the next lot of Euro qualifiers for the Hawke yet. I did that all off the top of my head and it sounded oh. convincing. So let's see. Let's see how we get on. But Rich, <laughs> thanks for thanks for joining us today. Hey hey. Thanks again to Villa for coming in. Fair PS Farza fan and listener until the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Bye. Because You've been listening to the Finnish Football Show. You can find us online at finnishfootballshow.com. 
Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening or watching. You can follow the Finnish Football Show page and group on Facebook and also on Instagram. See the links in the episode description. You can also connect with the five hosts on Twitter, at ExploreFinland, at FCSorby, at EscapeToSorby, at Kekimulari and at Mano99. Links to the Finnish Football Show merch stores are also in the episode description. <laughs>